Shabbat Perek Tetvav Mishnah Gimel Mekapelin Et Hakelim Afilo Arba Vachemisha Pamim. One can fold clothes even four or five times on Shabbat so they can't they won't become wrinkled and will can be worn again on Shabbat. And one can make beds after sleeping them on the night of Shabbat to prepare them for sleeping again on Shabbat. But one cannot fold clothes or make beds on Shabbat for use after Shabbat because that will be an issue of making preparations of Shabbat on Shabbat for another day. Now we're going to discuss the halacha with regards to folding clothes and making beds on Yom Kippur that fall on a Friday, because in terms of the Mishnah, before a fixed calendar, sometimes it would have been um, that Yom Kippur could fall on a Friday or a Sunday. Nowadays, this can't happen. Rabbi Ishmael Omer, Rabbi Ishmael says, One can fold clothes and make beds on Yom Kippur that falls on a Friday for Shabbat, because Yom Kippur is a weekday in relation to Shabbat. It possesses less Kedushah, so to speak, and therefore one can make preparations Yom Kippur for Shabbat. How does this, how is this so? As in, essentially, we see that with regards to the punishments for being Mechalal Shabbat or desecrating Yom Kippur, the punishment for desecrating Shabbat is more strict than it is Mitah Bidei Bet-Din, through the hands of the Bet-Din, whereas Yom Kippur is correct, so it is considered a much more severe punishment, so therefore that's why we say Shabbat is, is um, more san- has more sanctity than Yom Kippur in this context. Now, Rabbi Ishmael will continue with another application of this preceding rule of Yom Kippur being less sacred than Shabbat. There's the idea that in in the Avodah, in the Metamikdash, that the fats of an offering can be burnt on the, on the altar, the Mizbeach, even during the night that follows the day in which the offering was, born, was brought. An offering must be must be slaughtered in the daytime and the blood must be applied to the altar on the same day, also in the daytime. However, the parts of the offering that burns on the altar can be placed there the following night as well. Now, the fats of a Friday offering cannot be burnt on a Friday night, which is Shabbat, because one cannot desecrate Shabbat for an offering brought on the day of lesser sanctity. So, as in, we can't burn things on Shabbat for the things brought on a Friday. Similarly, the fats of an offering brought the day before Yom Kippur cannot be offered that night on Yom Kippur. Rabbi Ishmael now is going to teach about Yom Kippur falling on a Sunday. Now, let's say you got Yom Kippur falling on a Sunday. The fat of Shabbat can be offered on the altar after Shabbat, on Matzah Shabbat, which is Yom Kippur, even though it's the night of Yom Kippur, because Shabbat has a greater sanctity than Yom Kippur. Now, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, If Yom Kippur falls on a Sunday, the fats of Shabbat cannot be offered on the night of Yom Kippur. And if Yom Kippur falls on a Friday, the fats of Yom Kippur cannot be offered on the night of Shabbat because the Torah, according to Rabbi Akiva, um, in this context, would regard them as having equal sanctity. He does agree that. Shabbat carries greater sanctity on Kippur, as, as in that's inescapable. The fact that Shabbat, the, the punishment for desecrating Shabbat, is more severe than that of Yom Kippur. However, he learns from a pasuk in the Torah that the offerings of Shabbat cannot be burnt on Yom Kippur, which implies that Shabbat cannot be treated treated as more sacred than Yom Kippur. And he also disagrees with Rabbi Ishmael, who holds that you can fold clothes and make beds on Yom Kippur for Shabbat, because once again. He holds that Yom Kippur must be treated as the same as Shabbat with regards to offerings. It must be treated as equal to Shabbat with regards to mundane activities such as folding clothes and making beds. Perek Tet Zion.
Well, now, when a fire breaks out, it's our natural instinct of, of people to, to, to put it out. Okay, We put out a fire to save our possessions, and of course, because it's dangerous. So the so Chazal were concerned that when a fire breaks out on Shabbat, people in their anxiety to save all their possessions might forget the laws of Shabbat and put out the fire. Now, putting out a fire is a melacha. They therefore decree that a person cannot save possessions from a fire on Shabbat, except for certain articles, amongst which are certain books of are the books of, uh, of Scripture. Now the Mishnah will deal with the laws of saving such books from a fire. So Mishnah Aleph, Kol Kitzvei Hakodesh, all books of Scripture, namely the Torah, Nevi'im and Ketuvim, Matzilin may be saved from a fire on Shabbat. Okay, only books of Scripture written in Hebrew and Ketav Ashuri, as in the script that we see in the Sefer Torah, are included in this because they have a special sanctity. Okay, so we can remove them from a house or a courtyard that's burning and save them from being destroyed. Even though we can't save, according to Chazal, we can't save general property from a fire Shabbat, these books can be saved because of their sanctity. Ben Shekor and Bahen, and they can be saved whether they are the books from which we read on Shabbat publicly, such as Nevi'im, from where we read the Haftarah, and of course the Seftarah, or Ben She'en Korim Bahen, or whether they are books from which we cannot read on Shabbat, such as the Ketuvim. And we're going to explain why they cannot be read on Shabbat. Up until this point, we were dealing with books of, of scripture written in the original Hebrew. Now we're going to discuss rules regarding books translated, writ, translated written in other languages. Now, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat explains that the Mishnah is missing words at this point. You should read, all books of scripture may be saved from a fire on Shabbat, whether we read from them or whether we do not read from them. When is this true? When they're written in Hebrew. However, when they are written in other languages, they cannot be saved from fire on Shabbat, and I will continue for Afar Pisha Kutsuvim Bechalashonin. However, even when they're written in any language besides Hebrew, they can't, cannot be used and cannot be saved from a fire on Shabbat. To Uninganizah, they still require storing at other times. They cannot be simply abandoned. They should be put away in a safe place to prevent their desecration. Nowadays, however, just a, a separate point, where we, we do see we write scripture in other languages, we can save such translations and other Torah works from a fire on Shabbat. Now, now, why do we not read from the Ketuvim on Shabbat? Because of the neglect of the Beth Midrash, of the lecture hall, lecture hall. Because on Shabbat, lectures will be given, Shirim will be given for people who were working all week and therefore couldn't learn Torah for extended periods during the week. So these Shirim, these lectures on Shabbat, they, they will, that's where they will learn the Halakha, that's where they learn you know, you know, the Halakha of living everyday life. So the Chazah, they prohibited reading Ketuvim on Shabbat so that they wouldn't sit there with one of the Megillot, for example, and because, oh, wow, this is so interesting, and then they'd skip the Shiorim on Shabbat. So to prevent that, they said, you shouldn't read Ketuvim on Shabbat. Now, going back to saving the books of Scripture on Shabbat, we can save the case of a Sefer Torah with the Sefer Torah itself, the Tikha Tefillin and Tefillin, and the case of Tefillin with together with Tefillin, even when there's money in them, money can't be moved on Shabbat, it's Mokseh, However, if we were to require taking the scroll from the case and then putting it back in after the money was dumped, too much time would be lost and the Sefer Torah tefillin might be burned. So therefore, Chazal permitted a person to take the, the, the money alongside in the case. Now, where can we save them? What, to what place can we take these books of Scripture on Shabbat to save them? We can't take them from because that is an Isodoraita, that's a biblical prohibition, and that can only be transgressed when a life is in danger. Now, but with regards to this permission that has been granted to save books and scripture, 
what what is permitted in this context. So where can they be saved? They can be saved to an alley that is not open. That is even to an alley that has walls on three sides and the fourth side is closed by just one post. Now at the times of the Mishnah, imagine several houses that would open into a courtyard and several courtyards would open into an alley and these alleys would then open into the Shotarabim. When a fire breaks out in a house in a courtyard and there's danger that it will spread throughout the courtyard, they would need to take the books of scripture into the alley. Even the courtyard itself isn't necessary. So the alley would be the place of refuge. And an alley enclosed by three walls and open on the fourth side is considered mid-oraita, biblically, and one can carry from a courtyard into it. However, the rabbis prohibited carrying into the alley unless it was enclosed, unless there was something called a lechi, a post, which is a partition. We'll learn, we'll learn all about this in Erovin. Um, and essentially... There's an opinion that you need two posts on each side of an alley. However, we see that we, we permit taking books of scripture into a mavoi that isn't fully enclosed with two with two lechis, even with lechayim, with two, two lechayim, I think it is, um, only one lechi. So even in such, even there would be permitted. Okay, Ben Batera Omer Afle Mufulash. Ben Batera says, even to an open alley, even an alley that has no post at all on the fourth side, as long as it's three walls, um, there doesn't need to be a, a lechi according to Ben Batera, because even that is still not a biblical Rosh uh, Hashanah. So therefore, they can be saved to going to such a place. Have a great day.